So this morning we're going to look at some instructions that are given by Jesus to three different groups. And these three different groups are three different groups of disciples, each living at different times throughout history. That's one thing I love about the Bible. Do you know that it's a historical book? It's historically accurate. Nothing we've found is overturned. No records speak otherwise. What the Bible does do is give a trustworthy guide for people to look back and say, hey, this is actually what has happened. And one of the neat things we find in Scripture is the foretelling of what's going to happen. You guys understand that in God's eyes, he already sees it all. How was he able to write these thousands of prophecies specifically to T, you know, because he sees it all. It's already done. We know what is set before. And he also understood what the church would go through and what the disciples would do during the church age and even yet future during the tribulation. So this morning, he speaks to that. And we're going to take a look here. So some of the instructions, if you like to do outlines, we're going to see some of them are specifically for the apostles, which we find in verses 5 to 15. Some of those that are serving before the Lord's return, that'll be 16 through 23. And then some of those faithful disciples, which we read about during the tribulation. You guys ever read in Revelation, like, who are all these people who are serving the Lord? You know, those are the Christians that get saved during the tribulation. And yes, they're going to be sharing their faith. Um, and we see that um, in verses uh, 24 and 26. Anyways. Those are the faithful. Actually, this really for all the church age, those verses I'll speak to. We'll get to it in a, in a little bit here. But I want you to grasp that spiritual principles here are for all of us. Okay, we're going to read through these different disciple groups, but we can make application for all of us. So let's take a look here um, at the apostles once again. Um, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. You can jot that down. Jesus sent them out in groups of what? Two, okay, two by two, okay, which their names then are explained for you and I hear why they're in groups of two. Does that make sense? Look at verse uh, two. Now the names of the 12 apostles or the disciples were first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, two. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, two. Philip and Bartholomew, two. Thomas, um, and Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew here, the tax collector, two, James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname is Thaddeus, and two, and then we have Simon, the Canaanite, and then <clears throat> that stinker, Judas, who also betrayed him. Now, the text here specific, uh, is specifically not a commission for us today. This was for Jesus' disciples. Now, we may learn from their spiritual principles, but we shouldn't apply these instructions to our lives today because later we read from Jesus, he tells them to do the opposite in Luke's account, chapter 22, verses 35 to 38, and that's a completely different situation. But we, if you check out our website, um, yeah, it's old and dated, but we have, you know how people like to have mission statements? Hey, this is what we're all about. You know, and people are like, well, what's our mission statement at, at, at Freedom? Well, who cares how clever we can be and what we can come up with? Let's just ask God, what is his mission statement for his church? Oh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to live out the Great Commission. I mean, isn't that what Jesus asked us to do? Pretty simple, right? 
So we're going to live out the Great Commission, and we're going to go into what? Just Kakana and share Jesus? Did he tell us to do that? No, all the world. The disciples here were asked to go where? Just to the Jews. So you guys see the difference there? Okay. Um, so some, some of these spiritual principles for you and I, we can grab from this section, is we need to pray. Okay. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to go. Well, isn't that why we do church, Pastor? Aren't they just supposed to come here and hear about Jesus? Can anybody show me that scripture? Oh, I haven't found it yet either. He's told the church to go, right? Show of hands. Has anyone come to you, a stranger, someone that you don't know, maybe you do know, but they were worried about you, spiritually speaking, if you were going to spend eternity in heaven? Has anyone come to you worrying about you this week and shared the gospel? Amen. Amen. That's awesome. I didn't think there'd be any takers. Okay, how about in the last month? How many of you guys? So we're about 1%. You had more than one? You go, girl. <laughs> All right. How about in the last six months? Show of hands. Has anyone come up to you and shared the gospel? Awesome. A few more. Last year? Okay, we're about getting to 10%. Do you guys get what I'm trying to get at? Okay. Did, did you just, Elder Joe? Joel, did you just say Jehovah Witnesses? I just asked Steve if they count. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do when they leave my house. <laughs> How many times have we had Jehovah Witnesses at our door? How many of you guys have had Jehovah's come? Yeah, I've had Mormon, Jehovah's. And one old dude a few years ago is the only guy who's ever come to our house that actually knew Jesus Christ of the Bible. One old guy, Baptist dude, you know, hey, don't know if you got a home church or not. I go to the Baptist church. would love for you to join. And we had fellowship on the porch for about an hour. Loved it. Old dude, he was in his 80s. And, you know, I was just convicted. I'm really, like, really? You know, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, peddling a false Jesus? And we have the truth. Why aren't we sharing more? I know why. Do you guys know why? Satan doesn't want us to. You guys know that? Think about it. We have the best news in the world. How do we grow up in a very good Fox Valley of good people, a lot of church-going people? I've had one person in 41 years actually come and share the gospel with me. Besides my mom, she dragged my butt to church. You know? <laughs> but actually come to me. You know what I'm saying? Why doesn't that happen more? What's going on? Well, I'm glad we're all convicted now. Let's be encouraged. Um, so there's this perpetual order as we begin to look at verse 5 and on. There's the messenger and the miss uh, missionaries of his kingdom. So we're going to look at the former disciples here, the 12 of Jesus' day, verse 5, the 12 Jesus sent out, and he commanded them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And I love this word, or verse. It says, freely you have received, freely give. Don't you guys love that? That's your memory verse for the week, okay? 
And then he also tells us, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bags for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. See, Pastor, the reason people aren't sharing the gospel is because we need to raise more money so we can do more outreach, right? If we just had this stuff, then we could reach the world for Jesus. Don't you love what Jesus says here? You guys don't need nothing. Just go and share the gospel. It's that's Anyways, verse 11. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire in it or who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from the house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, I will be more, or be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. You guys remember that? In the day of judgment than for that city. Now there is a mission field there. Did you guys catch that in verse 5 and 6? Jesus told the 12, commanding them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Don't enter the city of the Samaritans either, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Lost sheep? They were religious people. What do you mean they're lost? Guys, know there's a lot of church-going people today that are lost. You know, I just, whatever he says, I believe it. You know, they never check in with God. God, what do you say? You guys ever wonder how cults can even be, you know, like pull off being a cult? Anyways, totally sidetracked. Cults stink. Jesus good. Uh, anyways, they go to their own, right? The Jews, lost sheep of Israel. He tells these original Jews for Jesus to stay in the pastures near the fold. So don't even go to those that even would most resemble the Jewish people, which would be the Samaritans, okay? And then the mission field is laid out for these 12 disciples in verses 7 to 15. Okay, these are the ones you're going to go preach the gospel to, and you're going to preach that the kingdom of God is near. It's near. Today is the day of salvation. You guys understand that? God is right here. It's not always going to be the case. You guys know that the end is near. If we take the Bible serious, if he was really serious and we saw him fulfill all those prophecies to a T, and then we start seeing all these things begin to unfold in our world today, historically speaking, that the Bible speaks to precisely, we know the end is near. And there's going to be a time where the Lord comes for his church and the Holy Spirit will be removed, okay? Do you guys not know that you are the temple of the living God? The church is. The rapture is going to happen. And we read the book of Revelation, wow, a world <laughs> without the salt and light being the church. We are that preserving agent. Okay, It's going to be a rough time during that time. But the reality, the grace of God, this unique time in history, he's right there. God's promise, if you seek me, you will find me. But the problem is people aren't seeking him. They're too busy doing their own thing, and Satan's doing his own agenda that, hey, there is no God, period. How? Anyways. Oh. To preach the kingdom of God, it's near. 
to heal the sick also. We see that in verse 8, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. That's kind of fun. You guys ever pray for anybody who was sick and they were healed? Any of you guys ever been prayed for and been healed? That's pretty awesome. Um, I had it happen one time, you know? I've had a lot of illnesses through the year. I'm just like, do I lack faith? <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, I remember, yeah, we didn't even have kids yet. I must have been about 27, 28. And one of my friends had uh, a daughter up for the summer, and she was only like eight years old at the time, but she came up with her dad to a youth retreat we are putting on. And I don't miss opportunities to preach. I can be sick, and I'll drag my butt out. I'm like, hey, you've asked me to preach? I'm going to preach the word, God. I had a headache so bad. You guys ever have one of those headaches where it's throbbing? You can't even stand. I mean, it's that bad. It was one of the worst headaches I've ever had. And little Kaylee, eight years old, prayed with me with faith, and it was instantly just gone. And I'm like, no way! (laughs) Like, I've seen people before. But you know God can do that. And that's one of those things that this was unique to these disciples, okay? Because when we pray, sometimes... It happens, sometimes it doesn't. You guys ever wonder why? Yeah, lack of faith. But it's not a faith thing. Like, God's going to do what he wants to do. You know, sometimes I think the biggest blessings, John, do you remember what the statement was this week? Something on the biggest mercies of God is when his answer is no. It was something on those lines, you know, and that's so true. There's sometimes we're asking for something. God, why aren't you? This would be a good thing. Why isn't it happening? But in his mercy, he said no to it. Because again, God's seeing what? The full picture. He has good in view. Okay? He knows what's best for us. Now, they're given here the authority over these things. I think it's pretty cool to even raise the dead. Okay? I've cast out demons, but I haven't raised anybody from the Wouldn't that be cool? Right? But they're given authority to do what? To do these things, and they have the power from where? Well, God's been training them. They're strong dudes. They were little boys when they started first walking, but now they're men. It was in their own strength, right? No, what does Zechariah 4, 6 tell us? It's not by might. It's not by our strength, okay? Not by power, military power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Do you guys understand? It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do that. You guys remember Acts 1.8? Okay, go and wait for the Spirit of God. He will come upon you and he will, you know, endow you with power to be what? Witnesses. You guys want to be disciples? You want to go fulfill the Great Commission? You can't do it without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You need that. Ask. So they were to go and preach, heal. So Jesus really is the first medical missionary. He tells them not only to minister to their souls, but also to their physical needs. That's a way we can love and disciple other people. I don't know how many opportunities we've had through the Freedom Center Food Pantry over the years to minister to people spiritually just because they had a physical need. They came for that help, that need, and hey, I got something that's even better than that. <laughs> you know? And we get to share Jesus with them. Because often healing of disease is a way of approaching the soul. And then again, I hope you have it underlined in your Bible, second part of Verse 8, to give freely. Freely you have received. Freely give. Okay, Power is in context here. So it's a gift. We've been given the gospel. How much did it cost you guys? It's a gift of God. It's a gift. It can't be earned. You can't be good enough to receive it. Okay, 
Some people, you got to pay your dues in order to get into heaven. Yeah, cult. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, to remain unburdened, verse 9 and 10. Okay, trust God to provide. How many of you guys struggle with that? I'm glad you guys are vulnerable and honest enough. You know, we've been so blessed and given so much, we want to trust in riches at times. If I just have this or enough savings, 401, whatever it might be. But I love that Jesus just lays this out to us. Don't worry about it. I'm going to provide. So leave your MasterCard visa. Don't even touch those things, okay? Along with your wallet, he says, it keeps you humble when you can't pay. Do you guys know that? Because who are you going to have to trust? God. And he's always faithful, isn't he? So don't be encumbered by access material goods, okay? And notice the plurals in verse 10. I love this passage. So no need for two suitcases or a carry-on. Um, the, the weather changes. You'll be provided with a coat if it's too cold. They'll take care of you. A workman's worthy of his hire, Jesus says. So to bless or to curse. So each town upon leaving then in verse 11 to 15... Now, the apostles depended on hospitality. And in that day, in that time, if you would not be hospitable, okay, take someone in as a guest, it was really a breach of etiquette. It was very rude, and everybody would look down on you if you did that. So they were going out. It was an expectation. Also in verse 11, he says, stay there. Okay, don't go seeking better accommodations. Wealthy people will always turn up, but don't forget worthy men and women who first took you or took care of you. Remember them. Verse 13, he says, let your peace or the shalom alakim be upon your city. So you have come as a blessing and come with the blessing. So the application for us Okay, I read Spurgeon. He said this, we should never enter a house without wishing it good, not to leave it without having endeavored to make it better. I love that. Is that your mindset as a Christian? Every time you visit somebody, you share with somebody, that you want to bless them? That should be our heart. The world makes everything about them. I'm God. I'm on my throne. It's all about me. I deserve this. God has called us to be servants of all. It's not what can I get out of this relationship, this encounter coming over to your house. How can I bless? Okay, we should be a blessing. Now, not sure how to bless them? Awesome. Let's turn to Numbers. Fourth book in the Bible, chapter 6. Many of you guys are familiar with this blessing from the Lord that the Lord gave to Moses to tell Aaron to do as a priest. You guys know that we are priests unto our God. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. You guys there? Numbers is a cool book. It tells us verse 22 of chapter 6, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, Bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. 
And then whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I will bless them. Pretty cool, huh? I always share this blessing when I do a wedding uh, for a couple. I don't think there's anything better. This is the blessing from the Lord. Now that's something we can give. So if you trusted Uh, If you trusted them to be worthy and they turned out not to be, grab your piece back and leave, Jesus tells us. So there's no compromise there. So let's go back to Matthew. Verse 14 in chapter 10, And whoever will not receive you does not hear my words. When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So they weren't to rail on them, but to let them know that they must leave because they refused the message. Okay, that's why the Jehovah Witnesses dust off their feet. You know, sorry, I don't believe that Jesus is not God. Okay, I don't know who your Greek scholars are that have translated this New Living, whatever world translation is that what it's called? Anyways, yeah, they've redone it seven times. Who in the heck were your Greek scholars? Anyways, we won't talk about them. Jesus is God. Just read the Bible. And there's enough that they didn't twist in their own scriptures that if you actually sit down and reason with them, it's just like, whoa, what do I do with this passage? Sure does sound like Jesus is God. (laughs) He is God. Anyways, um, so maybe let uh, impotent sinners know where they stand, okay? Hey. Fine, you don't want me? I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to hear the truth. And it's hard because there's some people you might not be able to share with right now because their heart's not in the right place to receive. You know? It might be a year from now, 10 years. How many of you guys have been praying for somebody more than a decade? Yeah. You want them to come to know Jesus. So verse 15, Assuredly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for that land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. So the Lord seals their fearful doom with, assuredly I say to you, okay? So the individuals fall into this judgment, even today, guys. Those whom are rejecting the king of kings, okay? So if we are messengers of the king, okay, if they reject us, they're really rejecting him. They're rejecting the message of the king. And that happens, and it's hard because we want people to know Jesus. We want to see people get saved. But you can't force. You guys understand that? We can't force people to believe. It's their choice. Okay? There's so many times, and it breaks our heart, we'll weep and we'll cry over those who are lost. And that's sometimes, like, I get angry sometimes when I'm sharing with people. I get a little frustrated because I just know how much God loves you. <laughs> Why don't you, really, how can you believe that? That's not even logical. It doesn't even make any sense. Don't you see what you're doing? You're just making a lame excuse because you don't want to come to the Lord. And I know God's just calling us to love. And that's what he's telling these guys to do. You know, hey, if they reject it, fine. Just move on. Because there's a whole lot of six billion other people to share with, right? Oh, so the future disciples, let's look at them. Okay, so these are going to be those living during the tribulation. Verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of, the, of wolves. Thanks, Jesus. Um, therefore, you guys ever think that? I'm the only one? Okay. <laughs> therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they're going to scourge you in their synagogues. 
you will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, and as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. That's happening today in the Middle East. You guys know that? And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And when they persecute in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So I want you guys to catch, it's not unusual as you study the scriptures for writers, the Bible writers, to leap from one period of time um, without a warning. Okay? Some of you guys who have read the prophets, they're jumping back and forth sometimes, like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? Um, here, Jesus looks down through history and he sees those that are going to be witnessing during the tribulation period. These verses don't apply to the 12 apostles for several reasons. One of them, we see Jesus' statement in verse 23. Here he speaks of persecution, which have no record of the 12 suffering during this time as they went out. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in the synagogues. Did that happen when he sent them out two by two? No, not at all. Forbids them to go to the Gentiles in verse 5, while verse 18 says that they're going to be witnesses to the Gentiles. So you guys understand this is a clear distinction between two different times. The Spirit could not speak in them, right? In them, not yet. Okay? Not in them until Christ had been crucified and raised from the dead. John 14, 17 tells us that. So it had to be after that. Verse 22, and you will be hated by all for, your, for my name's sake, Jesus said, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So this, is, this verse really speaks of the worldwide persecution. It says all there, right? Worldwide persecution. And that's going on all over the world. All over the world. Um, I see a lot of people today who are very tolerant people. They're all about tolerance. And you all need to be tolerant too. We're tolerant of everyone, except you born-again Christians. Just look, be logical, what's going on? Jesus said, you guys ever notice that? You can talk with somebody about God, but the second you mention his name, Jesus, woo, we're done. Not talking anymore. I was okay talking about God, but now you want to talk about Jesus. Because God can be whatever. You guys ever do the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous? Can I have a higher power? I had someone had their skateboard as their higher power. Oh. <laughs> You're going to save me? Anyways. Verse 22 and 23 are parallel to Matthew. You can jot down Matthew 24, verses 9 and 13, where they definitely apply to the end times. Okay? Those connect. Now, there's also the enemies of God, they will hate you. We saw this in verse 16 to 18 and 23. They're going to hate you. Why? I'm glad you asked. There's going to be a religious persecution. Verses 16 to 17, they will be handed over to the councils and beaten in synagogues. So religion has always persecuted the church. You guys remember the unconverted 
Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, what was he up to before he got saved? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the most religious dude. I've had some very religious men here in the valley scream at me because I was teaching people to read the word of God for themselves. And aren't we told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? What's up that? Well, you haven't been schooled rightly. You don't know the truth. You shouldn't be doing ministry. You shouldn't be teaching anybody. I just believe what God says, and you have a problem with me. I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. You think it's by works and being a part of this church that's going to save people because they get baptized in your buildings. Blind leading the blind, guys. But that's going to happen. We see it today. 2.2 billion Muslims in the world, most of them don't even know what they really believe. All they know is that in the name of Allah, okay, these infidels must die or convert. That's all they know. If you don't convert, you should be killed. That's what Allah says in the Quran. It's just religion, guys. I'm right, you're wrong. God's told us to what? Go share his message. It's not by sword. It's by love. Why do we share to begin with? Because he's loved us, right? That's why we love others. So there's going to be that. And he tells us, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. James, what do you always say to James on Thursday morning as he leaves Bible study? Sheep among wolves. So we've named our Thursday morning men's study Sheep Among Wolves. You know? But honestly, every time I read this in the scripture, I'm like, oh great, Jesus, thank you. Really? Sheep. How, is the, how, <laughs> how can a sheep even survive? You guys ever think about that? The only way a sheep's going to survive in this world among wolves is if you're close to the shepherd. Are you close to him? That's where you'll be protected. We look at brothers and sisters. Why do they walk away from the Lord? Why are they falling away? Why are they getting beat up like that? Why aren't they believing anymore? What happened? They strayed from the shepherd. The world got a hold of them. So, I wonder how team number six is doing. You guys remember verse four there? We have attacked sheep, Simon the zealot, and uh, the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Judas. How do you guys think they're doing out on their missionary journey? So what do you get when you cross a smart snake and a delicate dove? Well, you're going to get those believers that live during the tribulation, guys. That's what you're going to get. You've got to be tough-minded and soft-hearted. And I think that's what we need to be as Christians. We need to engage. You know? I, I have a frustration with people. Well, you just need to have faith. Do you have anybody to tell you that? If you just have faith, you're going to be okay. It's not what God asks us to do. What does God ask us to do? Come, reason together with me. He wants us to be mindful. He wants us to think, to reason, to be logical. God, this is what you said. This is what you've proclaimed in your word. Does this work? Does it make sense? And when we do, all right, now I see, now I have faith. Because how many people just come to Jesus, oh, I just have to have faith. Well, yeah, I want to tick into heaven. 
Do you see those Christians that come? They normally end up what? Walking away from the Lord, don't they? Because they haven't really counted the cost. They haven't reasoned through anything. They just want to add Jesus to their life, get their ticket to heaven, rather than Christ being the center and the source, everything in their life. And that's what Jesus is calling us to, full allegiance. And that ain't going to happen unless you actually come and reason with him, think through those things. And that's why it's so important that we disciple, guys. How many younger brothers and sisters in the Lord are there that are still being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? I heard this, and this person told me that. Great, what does God say? It doesn't matter. It's so important that we're there spending time discipling others. Also, they aren't sent to fight wolves. Did you guys read that anywhere here? Nor to drive them out places that they may frequent, but to seek to transform them. Okay, the Bible doesn't say that we should dance with wolves, dancing with wolves. Wasn't that a movie? Yeah, nice. So, they have a wolf ministry. I think that's a pretty cool name for a ministry. Anybody want to start a wolf ministry? I hope so. To be wise and convince them and be warm-hearted to convict them. And then there's a political persecution that's going to come. Look at verse 18. You will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them, to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Isn't that cool? For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And Father gives to you. He will speak for you. Um, they will be brought before governors and kings. Okay, this will give them a chance to do what? Witness. Don't you guys love reading Acts? How Paul was always dragged before the councils? What would he do? Hey, I'd like to say something. <laughs> he began to preach. I love that. So it always gives us, you know, when opposition comes, count it as a blessing because what does it do? It gives us opportunities to share. That's what it does. So the revelation teaches us that in the last days, government and religion will work together to control the world. Okay? They're going to be interlocked. Right now we have this big thing, separation of state and church, right? Don't you guys hear that on the news all the time? It's kind of a bummer because it's not actually in our constitution. We found a lot of what we do and how we govern our people upon the principles of God. That's how they intended it. But we're all about separation right now. We can't have the two together. But we read in Revelation 13, it describes a time when the world ruler, which is the Antichrist, is going to come on the scene. He's going to force the two. Okay, He's going to, first, first of all, force everyone to worship him in the image of him. Uh, we're told, but he's going to marry these two offices together again. Okay, The state and the church religion is going to work together. So he will control world religion, economics, and the government, and he will also use all three to persecute the church. And then, in verse 21, Jesus tells us about family persecution. Do you guys have any family that doesn't like you being a Christian? I think almost everybody's shaking their head. Yeah. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. So non-believing family members will betray those who have become Jesus' disciples. 
It's going to happen. I don't know how many brothers and sisters I've seen that happen to through the years. They start walking with Jesus and their family just wants nothing to do. You're crazy. You're nuts. You've lost it. Um, but we still have a chance to love, right? And this is one of the things we're going to see in the last days, okay? There's going to be a decay of family love and loyalty. Okay, family's family. You guys know that? We love them despite them. And them despiting us. Like, <laughs> we're all a little weird, aren't we? But people just don't like Jesus. General persecution, verse 22 and 23, everyone will hate them because of their allegiance to Christ. If you live godly, you will suffer persecution. That is a promise in the Bible. Okay? People will not like you. I had a peer group in high school. I started walking with Jesus. Guess what these kids I grew up with did? Well, nothing to do with you anymore. <laughs> nothing. Really, just I'm still Landon. <laughs> I'm still your friend. We still grew up together. But just because I like Jesus now, you don't want to hang out. So, he who endures to the end will be saved. It has nothing to do with salvation from sin, guys. It is talking about the faithful endurance of his ambassadors during the persecution that takes place during the tribulation. That's what he's speaking to. And then in verse 23, they'll always have work to do and a message to proclaim for the sake of the gospel or the kingdom. Okay? We should be preaching, sharing regularly until every man, woman, and child knows Jesus Christ. Because that's his mission. Do you guys know that Jesus died for the sins of the world? He wants none to perish. But there's so many people in the world that haven't even heard of Jesus. How are they going to hear unless there's a preacher. We need to be sharing, guys. So the Spirit of God will help them, we're told in verses 19 and 20. So the enemies of God will hate them, but he will give them the right words to say. Have you guys ever been sharing with somebody and you were just kind of dumbfounded because things were coming out of your face that don't normally come out of your face? Maybe even things you don't even know? It's like, where did that come from? Where am I getting this boldness? How do I know this about them? That's the Holy Spirit speaking, guys. Holy Spirit. I was so overwhelmed when I first took on the chaplaincy at the jail. You know, I thought everyone's going to be like Tim here. Big biker, dude, scary. No, Tim's the most lovable, huggable guy there is. Um, but you wouldn't want to know Tim before you knew Jesus. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought jail was going to be like. And to some extent, it was. I mean, I sat down with murderers, pedophiles, just some of the people that just like, I would want nothing to do with ever. I don't want to talk with you. I don't even know what I'd say to you. But the thing that was really cool was God's promise. Like I'd go in and I'm like, I don't know. I haven't had the proper training. What am I going to tell these people? And God spoke to me. He's like, you already know the answer. You know what they need. It's me. I'm, I'm, I'm what they need. And it was so cool. Every time I went in, there were some situations that were so overwhelming. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to say to this guy. But you know who showed up? The Holy Spirit. Every time. And he'd give you wisdom. I'm just like, I don't know what's coming out of my face right now, but this is really good. I should be taking notes. Like, <laughs> he's promised to do that, guys. So when we go before whoever, whether powerful or witnessing, whoever, God's going to give us the right things to say. Do you guys know that? Yeah, he's faithful. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm always nervous to get up and speak. You know, I love preaching because I get to talk about Jesus a lot. 
But I'm nervous, but once I get up here, I do feel the Holy Spirit with me. I just love that. And I encourage you guys, step out. Maybe you've never experienced that, and maybe it's because you never just stepped out to share. I know it's a scary thing. How many of you guys were just deathly afraid the first time you shared with somebody? Yeah. And you guys like shaking and stuttering? Yeah. Okay. But you step out. God's there. He's faithful. Okay. He's promised that. So let's finish up this morning. Um, verses 24 to 26. We're going to look at the faithful disciples here. A disciple is not above his teacher, uh, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If he have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that is not known. So living through the church uh, age or church history, guys, Jesus speaks to disciples and servants, the learners, the laborers, and to persecution. So this section really would apply to all servants during any time throughout history. Um, it has a special significance for his disciples today. I think this speaks to us in a big way. Um, we are his disciples, and our prayer really should be, Lord, you know, you be the needle, <laughs> I'll be the thread. <laughs> Wherever you go, I'm going to follow. It's all he's asking us to do. Where is he leading you? It might be simply just somebody in your own household, or maybe the person that lives across the street, or maybe the same coworker that you've had for the last decade. I don't know. Where is the Lord leading you? Where is he asking you to love on and share with? Who? Um... There is certainty of persecution, okay, in verses 24 and 25 for us here. Uh, just as he is persecuted, okay, they hated Jesus. Really? All you did was come and speak truth and love and heal and serve? We don't like that. Out of here, <laughs> you know? Um, they killed him. So to be like his teacher, okay, also like his master, so let that be our ambition in every way. Don't you guys want that as a, a child of God? Don't you want people to see Jesus in you? Yeah. But that takes a whole lot of dying to self. None of us are perfect here. Okay, God's sanctifying. I hope we can look into each other's lives like, hey, I've known you for a little while. You know, you're not the same man or woman you were, you know, even a few months ago. Like, you're growing. But how does that happen, guys? It's being close to Jesus. Do we take that time to be with him? to abide with him. That's how it's going to happen. Well, I go to church once a week. Guys, I feel like this time on Sunday mornings, this is like dessert to our walk with the Lord. We should be seeking him in prayer throughout the week. And I feel like Sunday mornings, the Lord brings a lot of things together of what he's been doing. So they may call us what they like, but they can't make us evil. You guys know that? The world can't force us to do what they say or what they want us to be like. You know, some people get undone. It's like, why aren't you more tolerant? Why don't you think the way I think? This is our agenda and you have to adhere to it. I mean, that's really what's going on today. I look at how much our culture has just changed since when I was a kid. It's like, whoa, in the world saying I have to accept this 
And if I'm not, I'm a bigot. Really? You're going to... Don't care, guys. Just chill out. Who cares what they say? They can't make us do anything. We love Jesus and we love other people. That's what we get to do. Amen? Amen. Okay, a couple more thoughts. God was slandered in the Garden of Eden. Christ was slandered on Calvary. So how can we escape? You think if they did this to God, how, you know, okay. How are we? We can't, okay? And I also want you to note here of his household, you guys should write right next to it, what a privilege. That's a privilege, brother and sister, to be a part of his household. And then we can have confidence in persecution. We see that in verse 26. Okay, verse 28, you guys catch that? You can kill the body, but not the soul. What's the worst somebody can do to you? Send me home? <laughs> really? You know, take my life, please. I'm ready to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait. You know, that's the only thing, you know, it's like, thank you. So in the next section that we're going to get through next week, we'll get through the end of the chapter. Uh, I want you guys to read ahead. Matthew's going to list for us several different reasons here why we must not be afraid to openly confess Jesus. Don't be afraid of that. I have pastor friends. I've been invited to say a prayer at this city, blah, 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 blah thing. And they've asked me not to speak in the name of Jesus. Do it, bro. <laughs> What's the worst they're going to do to you? Not ask you back? <laughs> Just do it. So note how many times do not fear shows up. We have nothing to fear, guys. Verse 26, 28, and 31. So anticipate the future and don't be overwhelmed with the present. You overwhelmed today? Don't worry about it. Just chill out. God's got you. He loves you. He is there for you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. So if you're misunder or misrepresented, who cares? The Lord's going to even make that right one day. He's going to write it all. A day is coming when all will be righted. Don't you love it? So a soldier dies twice, once when he dies and also when he's forgotten. Let's stand, worship team, if you guys would come forward. If you guys would pray with me. Father, we are so thankful for those brothers and sisters throughout the ages who said yes to you. God, who gave their lives to you, to follow you, who went and shared of you, Lord. And those who heard and received the gift of salvation, they too went and did the same thing. Lord, we want to be like them so many of them, Lord, we don't even know their names. We'll get to meet them one day. And Father, we know if you, could, if you tarry, Lord, we'll be forgotten one day. And that's okay, because it's not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. It is all for you and for your glory, God. We are so thankful, God, for the truth of the gospel message. We even ask today, Lord, as people have gathered here, we'll be watching online. Lord, if they haven't bowed their knee to you, if they're still placing their hope in anything else but you, Jesus, would you please open their hearts and their eyes and let them see just what amazing Savior you truly are. God, the blessing 
in the gift of eternal life that we have through your Son. We thank you so much, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for your word. I do pray for all of us, for my brothers and my sisters here today, for myself. Help us to be bold with the gospel. Let us not be ashamed of it. Lord, this world needs hope. They're trying so hard to find some. And this world cannot fulfill, cannot satisfy, cannot forgive and set someone free. You alone are able to do that, God. So help us to love well and to share well in your name. We ask, amen.